The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is a WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Right now that time, 819. You're listening to WGNS again on this Tuesday morning. Today, September the 5th. And this morning we'll be talking about the Rutherford County Schools. And throughout the morning, if you have any questions, you can text those in to 615-893-1450. Our guest today in studio, Director of Schools, Dr. Jimmy Sullivan. How are you this morning? Doing great. How about yourself? I am good. It's been a hot one out there the last few weeks, hasn't it? It sure has. We definitely had to make sure our students were safe over the last couple weeks, whether that was in the building or or extracurriculars. It was definitely a little steamy. I know a lot of uh, press releases went out. I know a lot of schools were called by parents, I'm sure. But what all has had to kind of change with the heat? So several things. One, we try to follow, um, we'll talk about athletics first, our TSSAA heat protocols about what students can and can't do. And that kind of sets us our entire district of what we need to do. So we wanted to make sure even it was a modification as far as our elementary school students not going outside. But after 12 o'clock, multiple things that we did from extracurriculars to modifying how our students were. So with those changes, uh, for example, when it comes to football games, I, I know you had to actually cancel some freshman games, but what what other games had to be canceled? Because I think football is the main thing people think about this time of year. Yeah, so we have several. We have um, some golf matches that had to be rescheduled. We had some soccer matches outside for our middle school and high school, and that's what a lot of people forget about is it's not just high school we're looking at. We're also looking at middle school, and when we make a decision, then that also, even though we're not involved with county, Rutherford County County Rec, they try to model our calendar as well. And then in Smyrna, I understand technology played a role with uh, their golf team because they have a, a virtual golf simulator there. Yeah, that is pretty awesome. Um, I probably need to take up golf, and then I could go visit Smyrna High School a little bit more as well. <laughs> it, it looked pretty fun. It sure did. <laughs> like a massive video Absolutely. game. <laughs> yes. Now, one of the big issues that a lot of people are talking about, and if they're not talking about I'm sure they will be talking about, school rezoning taking place. Absolutely. So uh, one thing that we've really tried to, to highlight is I'm going to mention a couple school districts here. So San Antonio Independent School District, Columbus City, Detroit City, Michigan, District of Columbia. Why am I mentioning those on a Rutherford County show? Those are actually our comparison peers, and we are larger or right of the same size as all of those school districts. And when we think of Rutherford County, uh, me being from here, lived here my entire life, I don't think of Rutherford County schools in the same comparison of, as far as enrollment goes. So in looking at enrollment, we've got to make sure we're using our resources. And we've been talking about this uh, off and on for about a year. Part of it was our high school additions. Part of it is the Beatty property and and putting some schools on that site. But before all of those come online, we need to make sure that we're using our seats. So we're we're about to go on a complete district rezoning. It's not going to impact every part of the district, but it is going to impact parts of every section of the district. So when you look at, for example, San Antonio, that's one area that, you know, when you hear the name San Antonio, Texas, you think of just a massive area. But we're on par with them, it sounds like. Yeah, we are actually a top 100 school district for enrollment. Um, that really didn't come to our eyes till we were doing a salary study last year and they asked about peers. And there were a lot of those districts that, quite frankly, we didn't want to be like because we're still a high performing district. And once you get to a certain size, it, it definitely makes it harder to stay high performing. 
And so we have to make sure that we continue to perform while also realizing that our size is something we have to be concerned about. Now, an outside firm has been contracted in order to help with the school zoning. Uh, is that outside firm from Tennessee? They're not. They're actually from Wichita, Kansas. And But they have done a lot of work in Tennessee as well. They've used Clarksville Montgomery as one of the districts that they also just completed this with in the last couple of years. And by using this outside firm, does that help to make it, I don't know, more, more fair, I guess, for everybody? I think so. Without uh, realizing it, us in the past, we've always had, of course, school board members are, are elected, and part of my job is to make sure that I protect our school board members as well as to, they, of course, look out for our entire district, but they they have a special interest in their zone because that's who has elected them to be there. By having an outside entity come in and just tell us, here's where growth is, here's where we expect growth to be, and here's what your zones look like, I think that's definitely taken some of just that natural viewpoints that we have because we live here out of it. Now, this is going to be your first major rezoning project as the head of the county schools. Are you a little worried or concerned about it, or is everything going to flow fairly smooth? At least, does it look like that at this point? Yeah, I think anytime you rezone, of course, um, there's there's going to be situations and feelings. Um, my own neighborhood has been rezoned with Rockville High School and then going back to Riverdale and it's been rezoned twice in the last four years. And so rezoning isn't something you just look forward to, but we have to make sure we're using our resources. Um, and I do feel confident in the work that they've done. Um, we've been working hand in hand with them since last September when our board officially approved it. We went to every school, um, our third party vendor went to every school, looked at capacity, looked at enrollment. And now we're truly getting to that point of looking at zoning maps. And I guess whenever you look at a district growing as fast as Rutherford County, you're going to have to rezone at some point, probably multiple times. Right. And something we're trying to do is trying to to get a plan in place that's stable for at least a couple of years. Um, but part of that also, and we have a great relationship with our county commission, is making sure that we also have buildings that are there to help with growth. So just to kind of give an example, this time last year, for kindergarten through 12th grade students, we were at 49,990. This year, we're at 50,810. And so if you include our pre-K students, we're up to 51,600. When you're adding 800, and that is a slow year for us, only 800. Uh, the year before was 2,200. We're a building or a building and a half every single year. And unfortunately, we're just we're not building that fast because that's a huge burden on our local tax base we realize that but we also have to have seats for our students is this school year expected to be more representative of what our growth is going to look like because i know in the past few years we've had covid at play and and we haven't really been able to get an idea of how fast we probably grew during the covid pandemic but i guess now we're pretty much back to normal we are back to normal and i do envision um there's a reason that we only grew about 800 students. We really honed in on making sure with our enrollment procedures this year, every student that was in Rutherford County had a reason to be in Rutherford County. That was a, a something that we kept hearing. Do you, how can you prove that you don't have students from neighboring counties attending your schools? And so we really went and made sure that every kid in Rutherford County schools had a reason to be in Rutherford County schools. So when you start looking at the different schools and trying to figure out if this child should be at you know, this school, or should they be at a Bedford County school? What were some of the realizations you came to, and, and why were people bringing their kids here? I think it just goes back to just the the performance we have as a school system. Um, we're a high-performing school system, and even though we're high-performing and we're large, we try to keep it that it still feels like a small community at the same time. So outside of issues where, you know, the custodial parent lives in Rutherford County, or you have one parent living in one county, then the other parent living here, what are some of the other 
problems you come across when it comes to kids going out of zone. So are we talking about just in the county or strictly out? Right. Those, those who, you know, should be at a different county school as opposed to a Rutherford County school. Yeah. So it just comes down to us verifying you have to have two proofs of residence or an affidavit or meet a certain stipulation to where maybe you're homeless or you have a, um, even a, a parent working at the school. And then we would allow you to attend that school. But we had quite a bit of movement to where our principals did an amazing job of saying, I'm sorry, you're not registered to be here. And until you can provide paperwork, we're going to need you to go back to your whatever school that may be. That could be an awkward conversation. It definitely is. And we, we definitely fielded some of those at our central office from parents who were upset about that. But at the end of the day, if they couldn't provide paperwork or didn't have a reason, because there are some qualifying reasons, then I think that just goes to show that somebody wasn't living in our county. Now, after this rezoning is complete, and, and how long do you expect, by the way, for the rezoning to take place over what period of time i think it's probably we're looking at hopefully making sure that we have the plans outlined so parents know that here's the zone here's the area um something our school board ultimately will have to decide is do we want this rezone to happen next august or do we want it to happen in august of 25 and the reason i say that's a hard decision really the the big piece of that that has to occur is the new elementary school in the Beatty property so if we don't open that by 2025 then the rest of the zoning plan really is, it just kind of falls apart um, without lack of a better term. But what we're struggling with, and honestly, what my recommendation is to wait until August of 2025 is because you don't want to rezone, let's say, the Stewart's Creek, Browns Chapel, Blackman Elementary area next year, then rezone those kids again the next year when a building opens. I don't think that's what's best for our students. And as this rezoning is taking place, or as it starts to get underway, there are new additions going on at Riverdale, at uh, Oakland High School, I believe, and Smyrna High School. Those are just uh, a few of the schools seeing construction. Tell us more about that. So that was amazing. We appreciate our school board for the vision and then our county commission for funding because that was a huge investment in our schools. So that will add about 500 seats at each one of those high schools. What we are noticing is that over the last decade or so, we were growing largely the elementary area. We're now seeing that as housing has become less affordable in Middle Tennessee, and we're now seeing more established families move, and it's more middle and high school. So every time we feel like we get growth uh, kind of under control, it, it shifts a little bit on us. So that's definitely going to be a huge impact for us. So the growth pattern that you're seeing where you're talking about a lot of uh, more established families with high schoolers or middle schoolers coming into town, is that something you kind of expect to see holding for the next few years? We do. And that's why we, in our five-year plan, we have the Beatty Elementary, which would, again, helps that Stewart's Creek Blackman area. But we need a middle school and then a high school, probably 1B and 1C. I don't know that you could really argue any of those. And, and that's the conversation we're having to have with our county commission. And they've been very supportive of, you know, we're not going out and asking for new students, but when they come to us, we have to educate them and we have to have a seat for them. And with these new construction projects going on with the additions at Riverdale and at Smyrna, it's, it's kind of putting a challenge i guess on those campuses because students for one they're having to walk all the way around the construction progress and teachers are doing the same thing but you have to give the students extra time to get to class we absolutely do so we've had to extend our bell times at riverdale and oakland just a little bit in between classes just for the overall safety portion that the courtyards are kind of blocked off for construction so students are having to walk all the way around the building i guess one un- unintended um, positive 
has been that students seem to be in talking to those principals a little bit more um, connected to what's going on in the classroom because they're able to, to move a little bit more and not just sitting going class to class to class. That I think that's helped a little bit. We didn't anticipate that, but we'll chalk that up as a win. Now, what's going to happen uh, come winter time? while that construction is taking place because those students will be outside walking to the annex building for example yeah um, it'll be the same as it has been in walking to the annex so make sure that you you wear a coat take care and then if there's any reason for us to to make sure that we need to hold classes or something because of weather we always do hey, and how many students do these schools that are seeing the additions currently have and how many more will they have because i know you said what was it 100 more seats at one of the schools or more 500 than yeah, 500 more seats yes. okay so Smyrna sitting at about 2,200. So all three schools will have capacity of up to 2,500. Um, Riverdale is between 21 and 22. We rezoned Rockville High School off of um, over towards Riverdale. So they're back up to about 2,200 and will grow every year that that grandfather and goes away. And then Oakland is sitting right at 2,000. So one thing that we've had all our um, zoning group work for is that those three schools have to sit at 2,500. So whatever you draw the boundaries around, 2,500 has to be the goal. And when, again, should all this be finished as far as the additions go? August of 25. August of 25. And then I know you mentioned in the beginning about the Beatty Farm property and August of 2025, again, is that goal there. What are some of the things that could delay that from happening? So anytime you're, of course, dealing with construction, so we're we're definitely just like everyone else. If you've tried to, to buy anything or purchase anything, um, unintended shipping delays can definitely hit us we've had that even going back to when we opened Plainview a couple years ago something as simple as a water fountain sensor and so that could delay us the elementary school we still have to go for county commission approval and so we're looking at doing that probably in february and march so there we are looking at uh, again what is it a high school and an elementary school or is yep. it middle school and elementary and high school? So we're being a little bit um, unique in that perspective. So we're trying to do look at things differently. And so it'll definitely be an elementary school, a K-5. The other portion of the school could even could be a combination of, you hear people talk about a Jack and Jill school where you have like a 612 together and maybe we'll even do a smaller high school. So I think that just is yet to be determined. So these are all things that the school board will still need to look at Correct. in the near future. Absolutely. And cost involved. I know construction costs have skyrocketed over the last few years. What is it going to take to build a new school? Uh, well, the numbers we used to use in the past, unfortunately, as you just mentioned, those those aren't the, the way we use them. So we send them out to bid without... With all the construction being in Middle Tennessee, unfortunately, there's not a lot of people that are bidding on schools. Um, so we're hopeful that we'll be able to get more people to bid, but you're looking somewhere between three and $400 a square foot, just as a rough estimate. And in our buildings, there are 200,000 square feet. You're looking at an elementary school of, of over 60 million or roughly 60 million. And what about hiring new teachers for not only the new school, but you know, new teachers, additional teachers for the schools that are seeing the additions. Yeah, so that is definitely something that we definitely keep on our radar. Um, so teachers, you can have the best buildings, the best curriculum, the best everything, but if you don't have staff in the buildings, then none of that really matters. And so that's one of our number one concerns. We're in a lot better shape this year than we were last year. But as a growing district and not enough people moving into the education field, that's something that is definitely top priority for us. 
And what about substitute teachers? Do we have enough of those? We never have enough substitute teachers. Um, we are in better shape again than we were last year. Um, we've moved back to only one vendor, and that's helping. But we definitely need people to still sign up to be subs. Again, Dr. Jimmy Sullivan, director of the Rutherford County Schools, is our guest this morning. And if you have any questions, you can text those in 615-893-1450. Again, 615-893-1450. Now, during the last legislative session, we heard how the governor wanted to make sure that new school buildings built in Tennessee had bulletproof glass and schools that saw renovations or additions those schools too had bulletproof glass how realistic is that and have you actually had a chance to price that bulletproof glass so i think what i have to go back and read the legislative portion exactly i think it was um, bulletproof film and so that's something that we will definitely have to make sure that we follow through because that was signed in by the governor a couple school districts have looked at it different ways i think it has to be on the first floor so do you want to maybe add more brick instead of some of that film so those are things as we send and meet with our architects to design that we'll have to continue to do. And that bulletproof film, that actually slows down a bullet. In other words, I guess it would take, uh, I don't know, an extra five minutes to get in versus the glass just shattering. So Correct. that gives authorities more time to get to the school. It does, but the part that people don't think about also is harder for someone to get out if they need to get out and bust that window through. So, so are, are these things that, you know, you're going to go to the state and say, hey, this is where we need some some leniency on, on this direction or whatever direction you guys talk about? If we needed to in meeting with our state legislators, I think it's a little bit too early for us to know truly that impact yet. But the bottom line is it, it's going to be expensive. Absolutely. No way around it. I mean, yep. it's going to be pricey. Absolutely. And with these extra I guess expenses that will come up is more money going to have to be requested not only from the state but also from the county commission so i'm hoping that the state will pick up a large portion of that um, i know the governor had a safety grant that went through but just to give an example we received just over two million dollars i think it was two million and dollars and 67 cents or something it was a, it was a very strange number um, but that wouldn't cover enough of even all of our campuses to do the some addition some work at just the front of the building so definitely we're hoping that comes through at the state level and of course that bulletproof glass would be not only the front windows uh, but also the front doors is there a, a chance that putting in steel front doors would make more sense than glass front doors yeah, so we have of course have to look at our building codes and meet with our state fire marshal just to see what is the best way to go about that um the, the good part is there's a lot of growing districts in Middle Tennessee, so we're all kind of going through this together to see what is the path that's the best for and safest for our students, but also the most economical. Now, going back over to COVID again, I know we saw some increases in COVID numbers at the beginning of the school year, but it looks like the, the different strains that are coming out, they're not as serious or a, as deadly as the first strains that we originally saw uh, but are you seeing you know additional spikes in covid numbers and is the school going to get to a point where they start releasing the number of students the number of teachers at each school that do have covid yeah i don't anticipate that our attendance rates are actually better than they have been in previous years at this time so we're, we're feeling good about where we are we just tell students and parents really to make sure that if your child's sick has a fever keep them at home uh, kind of like what uh 
people used to do. Absolutely. (laughs) Again, Dr. Jimmy Sullivan, our guest this morning. We're going to take a quick break. Time right now, 8.38. And if you want to text a question to us, feel free to do so. 615-893-1450. When you have fire, water, or storm damage, fair construction can help. Fair construction is also there to help when a car slams through the wall. Call Farrah Construction and we'll board up, put down tarps, secure your home or business until the insurance coverage is approved. Call Farrah Construction at 615-893-6120. I'm Ron Hall. Shop local. Let our family business help you. Farrah Construction Company. Hi, this is Mike Cutter. I am the owner of the award-winning family-owned home care agency, Honey Hill Home Care. Are you or a loved one in need of a reliable, compassionate caregiver? We take the time to match our experienced caregivers with your family member to ensure a comfortable and lasting bond. With us, you can have peace of mind knowing your loved one will receive exceptional assistance, monitoring, and companionship from a trusted caregiver they can rely on. Honey Hill has been the trusted source for home care for hundreds of families in Rutherford County over the last seven years. Learn more at HoneyHillHC.com. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. We'll see a few spotty showers and thunderstorms at times this afternoon. Partial sunshine develops a high in the low 90s. Tonight, partly cloudy skies develop a low near 70. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Vujitsky on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 71. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now that time, 8.40, you're listening to WGNS. And again, our guest in studio today, Director of Rutherford County Schools, Dr. Jimmy Sullivan. And uh, again, you can text questions to us at 615-893-1450. And when it comes to school zoning and new schools and also new students at different schools, the Smyrna area, Stewart's Creek, that is one area that you've seen a lot of growth in. And I understand a new policy is now in place for Stewart's Creek Elementary. Tell us more about that policy. Absolutely. Thank you for asking. So we're trying something. We know that we have some schools that are definitely overcrowded, and we have some schools very close by that may have some seats. And so ensuring we're giving our students the best education we can, we're trying something called enrollment capping at Stewart's Creek Elementary. So what does that mean? If you're a current student at Stewart's Creek Elementary, it means absolutely nothing to you. But if we have somebody that is moving in and they move in after September 29th, and this is only Stewart's Creek Elementary, then instead of going to Stewart's Creek Elementary, we'll actually provide transportation or the parent can as well. And they instead will go to Stewartsboro. And that'll stay in place not only this school year, but next school year as well until the new school building opens and we rezone. So that student who moves into that area, if they move in after, you said September 29th? Correct. That's the last day before fall break. Then they'll be going to a different school uh, away from Stewart's Creek, and they will have transportation provided by the county. Correct. 
and then they'll have to continue to go to that other school that next school year and correct. then uh, I guess until whenever that new school's built. That's correct and that's something that unfortunately is probably going to be a new reality for us in Rutherford County as we see schools that just um, explode in growth whether that happens to be um, the Rockville Middle School area really grew this year tremendously. We have to cap enrollment if we have a school that has seats nearby. And right now, for Stewart's Creek, this is only going to be for the Stewart's Creek Elementary School. Correct. It does not impact middle and high school, and it will not impact kindergartners next year. So the reason it doesn't impact kindergartners next year is we have a fifth grade class that will leave, and so we have room for a kindergarten class to enroll. Is this something that other schools and other districts are doing? I'm not sure about in Tennessee, but it was actually um, something that Mr. Young, one of our board members, brought up last year. And I think we all kind of, I can speak for myself, and he knows this. I thought, I'm not sure we can do that. Um, But in meeting with our consultant, uh, there are like other districts across the state do this, or across the country do this all the time when they have open seats. If you only have five or six students that are having to be bused to another school, does that make it really confusing or, or hard on the transportation system? So what we will probably do is we'll probably just draw an entire new zone since it'll only be, or not new zone, new map, and we'll hire a new bus driver to just pick up those students. And I know it may seem like just a few, but I anticipate following last year's trends, probably between 50 and 60 kids by the end of the school year. Full school bus if need be. It absolutely is, and you're looking at it at two to three teachers at Stewart's Creek Elementary that we, quite frankly, don't have the room for. Now, I understand that Rutherford County, they were, I guess they earned the level five in what is it in education, the ranking level yeah. five? What, what does that mean? Because I saw a press release about that a couple of weeks ago. Great point, And thank you for bringing that up. So the state of Tennessee really ranks you on two things. One is achievement, which is how did kids perform on a test? But the one that we really focus on is growth, which takes how did kids perform on this year's test compared to where they were last year? Since we're growing so much and we have so many students moving into our district, we really focus on growth because we can't really determine how a kid performed before they got to us. But once they're here with us, growth truly measures that impact of what was the school and the teacher. And so the state determines level five and they call it significant evidence that students gained more than expected. That's what we want. We want our students to truly outperform others across the state. And our schools, we had 26 schools out of 48 that test earn a level five. Our district was a level five and we weren't just a level five just as an overall. We earned a level five in every single subject. And so we're extremely proud of that work. That is truly teachers and schools impact on kids from when they got here to when they took the test in April. What is the average level for the majority of public schools in Tennessee? So the the state tells you the level three is at expectations. So level five is quite extraordinary then. That's that's unusual. It absolutely is. And it has been um, really been common for us in Rutherford County. That is our expectation. And that is really one of our challenges as we continue to grow. That still has to be the expectation is that something that we've said in instruction is that students must grow, period. There is no excuse. Students have to grow when they're with us. Now, in Rutherford County, and, and we're hearing this all over the state of Tennessee, but we're hearing more and more parents allowing their high school student to take, you know, get out of the traditional school and not enroll in a Rutherford County virtual school, but instead a a private, they go out and find their own virtual school, if you would, to enroll in, such as Penn Foster, such as Excel. And I know there's a long list of them out there, but what are the, are, are there any benefits in doing that? And then what are some of the drawbacks, the negatives of a parent allowing their child to do that? So I think there's a couple of things. One, uh, as a school system, we will never know what's best for a child. I mean, ultimately, that is the parent's responsibility is to see what's best for their child. Uh, One of those, I think, is you're seeing that just that's that trend. Um, 
education has always been somewhat political and people have an opinion and the you can be mad about that but really if we look back to there's two reasons that people have an opinion about education it's because one we all were educated in some degree so we have an experience to draw on and second we do cost a lot of money and so people have a right to have that opinion so something that i just really try to articulate any time that we have community members are talking is that when you see it on the national media you see this huge huge viewpoint of school system versus parents that's not what we are about that's not what we've ever been about in rutherford county we're in partnership parents know best and whatever we can do um, remember we're still the community members that are living in and working in a school community just like you are and so whatever that decision is for a parent we're definitely here to support that. So when a parent allows their child to do that and they're taking these classes online, are they able to go and apply and then get into a regular, a traditional four-year college with that, you know, I don't know, a digital diploma? Because I'm curious, is it the same as a regular four-year high school diploma? A lot of them are, but if you're a parent that's interested in that, um, definitely need to check on the accreditation portion um, because we have had some unfortunate situations that students have come back to us and had to take extra classes or maybe even take a, an extra couple of years because the, the school that they thought they were going to wasn't accredited. Is this a conversation that they could have with the high school counselor? Absolutely. And that counselor would be able to say, you know, hey, this is really not the best direction if your son's going to be going to college? Absolutely. Or they also can call our central office and our attendance department. Um, we actually have someone who handles homeschool, private school, all those different types of things because there's reporting that goes into it. And they can give them a list of accredited places as well. And this is much different than the rutherford county virtual school yeah and i also want to give um just a special shout out to our rutherford county virtual school i don't know it for a fact but i know virtual schools across the state of tennessee have been around for over a decade usually academic performance is is not strong at a virtual school Um, our virtual school is a level five school as well i'm i need to go back and verify but i know that if they're not the only one that's ever been a level five they're in a very small handful of virtual schools that have ever been a level five district so huge shout out to them so if a parent is thinking about putting their child into a, a you know a non-traditional virtual school is the rutherford county virtual school an option even if the school years already began and, and they're looking at doing this it is. If they're a high school student, we're probably going to ask them to wait until January because we're on a block schedule and we want to make sure their semester, their credits earn um, correctly. But there are things that definitely parents need to be looking at and asking questions, uh, I guess, looking at their child's future for Absol- sure. Yeah, absolutely. And even our virtual school enrollment um, has become very, very competitive. And so there's a limited number of seats there as well. And what is the virtual school enrollment right now? How many students are attending the virtual school? So we try to have 150 in third through eighth grade and then up to 200 students in high school. So quite a few. Yes, quite a few. And that number has grown every year, really. It has, and we really could have more. But again, we want to make sure their performance is there and it's a student that will be successful in a virtual school. We don't want a student who just is trying to to get out of certain things of a traditional school. We want a student who's going to be successful. You know, as you meet with different teachers across the county, what are some of their biggest concerns when it comes to their students? Yeah, so several. Um, I want to thank our school board because we really did a lot to address um, teacher salaries um, this last year. But outside of salaries, your working conditions have to be strong. And so we've really done a lot with our school board and then our county commission approving to try to address behavior. So we've added a behavior interventionist. We've purchased uh, an additional alternative school. But also we tell our teachers all the time, just know that education, 
we work with people, so we always feel like we need to give more and more and more. But ultimately, if you don't take care of yourself, then you're not going to be there to be able to take care of our students in our buildings. Of course, behavior is something that will always, always. be an issue for all schools everywhere, always has been. Absolutely. Uh, but what are the biggest behavioral problems you see in the county schools day in and day out? Day in and day out, of course, you're going to deal just with um, disrespect, which is something I think we've, we've unfortunately seen an increase in, um, but that's something we're trying to, to truly get back to making sure that we know what behaviors are appropriate for school. And then one of the biggest challenges we have right now, especially in our secondary schools, is vaping. Um, to whether or not, um, we're not going to get into that debate, where it's appropriate or not, it's not appropriate in a school building. Uh, but when a student can go out and purchase things or a parent can purchase things and then they take them to school, it's, it leaves our schools in a, a little bit of a mess. I know the American Psychological Association recently released more information about the attention span of not only adults, but also of children and teenagers. And that attention span is getting shorter and shorter each year. With that being said, how do you keep a child focused? How do you keep a teenager focused these days? I would love advice. I have an 11-year-old that is quickly going that direction as well. Um, but seriously, it just goes back to the old rule of you can keep a child's attention for however years old they are. So if a kid's 13, you have about 13 minutes. Um, and that's going back decades of research. And I think that's probably gone down a little bit. And that just goes to the talent that we have in the classroom of teachers making sure they change topics or even change their instructional method, even if it's just for 10 or 15 seconds to keep a child's attention. So is this requiring new ideas uh, about teaching to come into play? I think to some degree, but I also feel like within education, sometimes we try to overcomplicate it. Really, we have to know our kids. We have to know what our standards are going to be, which the state tells us that this is what a kid needs to learn in this grade level and subject. And then we have to know how our students perform on that. How teachers do that in their individual classroom, that's their professional judgment. And then I would say some of it goes back to what you brought up, and that is respect in the classroom and making sure that some students don't interrupt and, and try to be the class clown during class. And, and that's, I'm sure, another ongoing issue. It is, and that's one we've really tried to put in place, especially at the elementary school level. So at the elementary level, we have a new um behavior interventionist and if a student is truly disrupting then we're going to remove them from the classroom um, after several redirects and being appropriate age appropriate of course but a kids have um, a right to learn and we're not going to allow one student or two students to disrupt that learning process is it harder to get through to parents as it becomes more difficult to get through to teenagers these days I don't think so. I think it really just comes back to making sure that we have just a common language. And so making sure that our parents understand, again, that we're on the same team. We want what's best for your kid and that neither one of us are being accusatory. We just want our kids to be successful. And we do have a couple of text message questions here. One is, how is uh, the game of chess and critical thinking uh, advanced or how's the, I, I guess, critical thinking program advancing when it comes to chess? Yeah, so that's something that um, we've looked to add, not just at our alternative schools, but also at some of our traditional schools as well. Um, we're in the middle of looking at some options to do professional development for teachers to see if that's something they want to bring into the classroom. We also had that balance between accountability, and I do believe that anytime you are looking at critical thinking, you're definitely going to increase students' performance, but we have to figure out the best ways to do that. And is chess something, I, I know you have chess clubs at we different do. schools, but is there like a competition level chess game that is played among one school versus another totally different school district? Yes, absolutely. There are actually chess uh, competitions. Um, I have a 
two sons, and both of them have been are very interested in sports, but also very interested in chess. So we find ourselves on Friday nights at Barnes and Nobles quite a bit um, for them playing chess. What new technology are you seeing right now in the schools? So a lot of virtual reality. So VR being definitely a big place in schools. And then, of course, something that I think all of us are trying to, to really tackle with is AI. And how does AI impact us? Uh, probably our high school students are a little bit further advanced than we are. And we want to make sure that we're learning those things as, as quickly as possible. With any new technology, it's scary at first. But then how can we use that to benefit? Are, are we going to see uh, AI teachers one I sure day? hope not. <laughs> Sure hope not. I, I can't imagine going that direction. I it's couldn't either. Just like a different world altogether. Yeah. You lose that personal connection, and that's ultimately what students are and teachers and parents want, is they want somebody that they feel like is going to be there to protect and help their child learn. And speaking of learning, how are parents and teachers talking to one another these days? Is a lot of it through text, or are they still having traditional sit-down conversations in the school for parent-teacher night? So a lot of it's through email. Um, at your elementary level, you have different programs that people use just for that various quick communication back. Um, anytime that there's a question, though, I definitely ask that our, our teachers and our parents, if there's anything that can be missed in translation, pick up the phone and call or request a meeting because face-to-face -face or over the phone is so much better than in writing. I know that we've become into society just as quick. How can I get an answer? but tone gets lost. And so sometimes we have potential conflicts that could be saved by just having a conversation. We had another question by a listener talking about the recent heat streak uh, across, uh, really across the South, but here in Rutherford County. And they were asking about any additional changes coming about because of the heat. Uh, and I know you already covered that, but are there any additional things you want to add to that about the recent heat wave we've seen with the heat index so high? We'll continue to follow TWSAA protocol, and really outside of that, they've set pretty strict uh, guidelines. And then you, we probably could have practiced maybe 30 or 45 minutes earlier, but we're always going to err on the side of caution. And in the you know traditional school day, does that heat play a role within the school? Have you had any problems with you know HVAC systems failing or anything like that? Yeah, when we have um, 52, 53 different buildings that we or campuses that we are operating, you're going to have those type of things go down. But our maintenance staff did an absolutely amazing job of getting those back online as soon as possible. And we didn't have to delay or close any school for that type of thing. So great job by them. We had another question by a listener talking about or asking about drugs in our schools. What What is the biggest problem or what is the biggest problem with drugs and, and what is the biggest drug that is known to be in our county schools? So the biggest one we're struggling with is with THC and vape. Um, so which you mentioned little, earlier. Yeah, a little bit less traditional than you would experience or expect. And then I don't think... Um, it goes without saying that across Tennessee, but then across just all of the nation, there's been a little bit, quite a bit of an opioid um, epidemic. And so we don't necessarily see that day in, day out play out in our schools, but we know it's in our communities. We have to be aware. Now, I know last school year, I believe as the school year kind of came to a close, there was an issue where a child brought a, a candy bar to school and it had some type of illicit mushrooms in it. Whatever became of all of that? Yeah, so anytime a student brings illegal drugs, um, then we're going to have um, follow our code of conduct, which can go anywhere from remandment to expulsion. Uh, what makes it difficult for us is that there are some things in states you can go and purchase and it's legal. And then you come to Tennessee and a parent that may move here may not know. Uh, granted, a kid shouldn't have that, but they may not know what they have in their in their possession is illegal. I mean, we're not in any business to get in to what's going on in a parent's household, but 
when it comes to school, that becomes our business. And I guess that's where the school resource officers would step in, get involved, and, and figure out what is going on. Correct. We're pretty much out of time already, but if any parent out there has a question that, that maybe should be addressed at the school board level, what, what should they do and who, who should they turn to first? Yep. Great question. So that is something that I think the more we can educate, the better. Um, our school board is phenomenal. They do a great job in supporting the work of our district. They're really charged with promotion policy and hiring a director and then kind of day-to-day operations really sit with whoever the director of schools and I happen to be that right now so if there's a true issue going on let me know about it and we'll address it we're not perfect we're a large school system I have no doubt we'll make mistakes and errors but when we make a mistake and error we'll correct that again Dr. Jimmy Sullivan director of the Rutherford County Schools our guest today thank you so much for joining us absolutely pleasure to be here right now that time 858 you're listening to WGNS your good neighbor station since 1947 stay with us we do have more news and information coming up 